Welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, a.k.a. Mr. Christian Finance, the host of Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things in My Mom's Favorite Christian Financial Advisor. As always, make sure that you subscribe so you're notified every time that we release new episodes. And be sure to like and comment on this episode. It really helps with the podcast so we can continue to make great episodes for you. Well, you all did it. You twisted my arm. Many of you want to discuss trading and wanted some tips on taking the leap of faith to do it on your own. But as I said, doing it on your own doesn't align with biblical principles. As it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Now, I know some of you are out there like, well, I'm self-taught and no one helped me and I did it all on my own. Well, I hate to break it to you, but whether you got it from a book you got it from a friend, watched it on YouTube, or years in school. Those are all forms of advisors. Just because you don't speak with someone directly doesn't mean they aren't advising you. So in order to stay aligned with biblical principles, I brought on another advisor in the realm of trading. We have an exciting show discussing creating your trading strategy with your family in mind. How to stay consistent to achieve the golden ratio for increasing trading success and creating generational wealth so the fruits of your labor can be enjoyed by your whole family tree. Well, join me in welcoming our special guest. He's the founder of Trading Strategy Guides, Casey Stubbs. How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on the show, AB. Good, good. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I'm not just saying that. I truly don't bring people on the show that are I am not personally excited about. And what truly impressed me was your body of work and that you live what you preach. You know, in this episode, we'll talk about consistency and your body of work and content creation is impressive. You're, you're easy to find. You know how to carry a conversation and you make trading simple to understand. And that is the work ethic that really drew me to you. So as we already discussed, I probably can tell you your whole life story, but I think it would be more appropriate if we had you tell the audience a little about yourself before we dive into the first discussion today. Your thing. Well, I'll keep it short and sweet. That way you can dive in with specific questions. But sure. uh, yeah, I started trading as a young man. Um, my dad needed to learn how to operate a computer because he's from the boomer generation. They didn't have those. And my aunt taught me computers when I was young. And so uh, when he needed to use a computer for stock trading, I taught him how to get online and then he taught me trading. And so I loved it. I started out early on when I was in the military. And then uh, after, after that, in my late 20s, I made an introduction with Jesus and gave my life to the Lord. And so I've been walking that path ever since and uh, continuing to invest and manage my money. Hey, who doesn't like that? Everyone loves a good management story. So let's start at the very, very beginning, right? So we understand that investing is a filling process. So anybody who listens to my show knows they've heard me say that many, many times, right? It's not necessarily about how much you gain, but how much you feel about the gain that you're gaining, right? Some people may make 20% in the market and may be kicking themselves in the backside. Some people make, you know, 10% and just be jumping for joy. So let's start about keeping your expectations in check, right? Because when we don't do this, this can cause a lot of emotional distress when we're talking about investing. So can you let us know how do you manage your expectations when dealing with something so volatile as the market? Great question. Expectations are very important and it really aligns with what you're looking to accomplish. So if you are the type of person that makes a living off of trading, uh, that's a lot different than if you're doing it as a side revenue. Perhaps you're not taking the money out. You're just using it to compound. So there's a, a little bit of difference there. So I would say the first thing you need to do when you're trading is figure out what your purpose is. And then when you have your purpose, then you can set up your expectations but the number one thing, uh, the second part of that, not the number one, the second part is you have to understand when you're investing that any particular trade or investment has an equal opportunity of success as it does as failure. Mm -hmm. 
And so with you have to go into understanding that and understanding that it's all about statistics. And when you have, have that mindset, that really gives you an edge. Well, that's good. You know, what we like to do here, we like to we talk about tiering your expectations, right? So knowing the vehicle in which you're investing in and understanding the risk versus reward. So we talked off um, off the show about trading and personal life and how they kind of go hand in hand, right? So everything's done decent and in order. So can you tell me how you may structure um, your investment strategy to help mitigate some of those, um, like I said, ups and downs of the market or the realization that just because you pick a hot stock like Amazon doesn't mean you're going to be rich in 20 years? Yeah, and that's a, a really good question, and it, it ties it again into your, your expectations and things that you want. So for me, as a family man, I don't want to be the kind of guy that is living and breathing markets, right? I don't want to be reading every single news ticker. I don't want to be watching every chart. I don't want to be glued to the screen for 12 hours a day. I know people like that. I know traders that are amazing. They're great, but they literally live and breathe markets. And that's okay if that's what you want, right? If that's, but, but don't go in thinking you're going to have freedom and then you live and breathe markets, then then you're going to be miserable. And so that's the other thing is, okay, I think I'm going to be great, but now it takes so much work. So what I've done is I set aside specific market time. And that is the time that I use for trading. And one of the things that one of my mentors says that is when you give yourself a really hard schedule, it kind of puts yourself in a box, right? You set up your schedule for your purpose and your priorities. And then you force yourself to have the level of productivity that is required to get what you need. So for me, I like to spend a maximum of three trading days uh, for an hour a day. And then I also like to do one weekly review uh, for about 30 minutes. So I have it really dialed down. And then there's this, usually I'm only making like one trade or one adjustment a week so that it's very minimal with my time component. Okay, this is great because, you know, in financial planning, what we do, we establish basically these processes, right? Like we start off with data gathering, right? We figure out, you know, who's the family, what's the relationship, you know, what your incomes look like, what your expenses look like. And then we kind of make incremental steps to kind of flesh out this financial plan. We don't do it all in one session. We take little steps, but there's a process right, of how to review your mortgage. There's a process of how to review your your debt and, and different um, tax returns. So can you explain to us a little bit about the process? So you're saying that you're working, you know, about an hour and then you get to review for 30 minutes, but we all understand that there's a lot more effort that goes into establishing that process and getting to that point. Because when you're first starting, I'm, I'm sure no one can get on their computer for an hour and be be ready for the world. So can you explain that process of developing that process? I guess you could say. So absolutely. You're, you and I are, are right on, on with that. It's totally a process. Totally. And I have a specific, a very specific process that I go through and it starts with um, a mindset type training, like, okay, here's my expectation. Uh, here's what I'm willing to risk. You know, I ask myself, I ask myself specific questions. I ask myself questions about the market and it's a, just a checklist. It's just boom, 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 boom. And it's not, doesn't take long, but it's just, and once you get the hang of it, you built it in and it becomes automatic. Uh, but yeah, it's very important to have a process. So to answer your question though, how do you get to that point? Well, you have to build a foundation. You have to build a foundation of understanding what is a market, how markets work, uh, what causes markets to rise and fall? What is the technical components of a market? So yes, you have to have a foundation and that does take time to build. Right. So I think people listening may be like, oh, uh-oh, right? <laughs> now I know what Elijah was talking about, right? He's like, 
oh, this is all the questions I need to ask. And this is why whenever he, I ask him a question, he says it depends, right? There's a lot more variables that go into it. Um, we say this on the show quite often. The reason the majority of businesses fail, um, one, is because of cash flow. Um, but two is because they don't do the initial groundwork, all the marketing, um, find out your target market, you know, your niche, who you're going to serve, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats. They don't do the groundwork. They don't build the business plan. They just want to go to start executing. Right. So someone wants to just get on their computer. They want to buy and sell and trade because it's new tip that they got on YouTube and they forego all the hard work that goes into that process. So let's kind of talk a little bit about strategy and some of the strategies that you may have as far as how to start trading and how to develop it. So we talked about the questions. I'm, I'm going to rephrase this question for you, um, not for a softball, but I'm rephrasing it here for you. What are some key things you need to have in your life before you start trading? I'm going to give you an example so you can give us some um, good strategy here. A mentor, maybe a course on training, you know, maybe somebody guides you through the basics. What are some things that they can do before they hop on their computer and go bankrupt? <laughs> Trying to do it themselves. It's got to start with mindset. It has to. And so what I mean by that, and you nailed it. You nailed it. They want to get going. So let's use the business example. It's the same as in trading, but they want to get going and they want to start yesterday right? They want to, and a lot of times it's because they need money. You know what? They need money. I need money. Let's start right now. Okay. And I get that. And I love that. That's what got me started is, okay, I need money. Let's get going. Let's do this thing. But the problem is a lot of people use trading and they think that it's a casino, right? They're, it's like, like buying that golden lottery ticket. And so they come in, they might have financial pain, but they come in thinking that they're going to solve that problem with trading the markets and it's going to be solved really quick. Problem is that that's a broken mindset and they're going to make the problem a lot worse. Just like if the guy who wins the lottery usually broke because he can't manage what he has. So if you can't solve your financial problem, then there's no reason to get into the markets until you figure out how to solve a few problems in your life right? You got to just work at one thing at a time, be willing to do the work. So that's the very first step is you got to have the right mindset, understand it's not a get rich quick, understand that you got to be willing to do the work and to lay the foundations to get started. Good. I, I, I love that because this is a cheap plug for anybody who's listening. Um, <laughs> I, I do a webinar series called the four financial seasons. And we talk about the winter, the summer, the spring and the fall, but um, there's different seasons for things. So there's debt management season where you're managing all your debt that you may not have everything in order, but you're, you're paying off. Maybe you're an accumulator, you're young in your life. Then we kind of move on to savings. You know, do you have a cushion for emergencies? You know, are you digging into your um, credit? You know, are you going to go back into debt? You know, how are you going to build that sunken fund? Then we move over into investing. How do you compound the excess that you don't don't need? And how do you push your purchasing power to the future? And then finally, the wealth transfers where your life is setting. You're, you built a great legacy and you want to pass over to your children. But if you jump from debt management and think you're going to get out of debt management by investing, that is a scary, scary, scary process there, right? Because you don't plant seeds in the wintertime, right? Good seed bad season. So I said all this to say, I think people need to understand the fundamentals behind it all before. But I also want to say something which I'm very um, happy that you talked about was consistency. Because I think a lot of people think, okay, I'm getting here for a month, I'm gonna be fine. But it's, we talked and it's really more about consistency. Could you talk on that element? So that mindset of consistency, can you talk a little bit more to that? Well, when you're Looking at making some revenue from the market, it's not the amount of money that matters. It's that you can repeat the pattern over and over and over and over again. So if you're into trading and you can make a dollar, that's all that's something to celebrate, right? So if you can make a dollar and then you can do it again, and then you can do that again, and you can consistently make a dollar. See, it, it's, it, it also falls back on that mindset. They're like, well, I'm not going to waste my time for a dollar. Like my time is not worth that. <laughs> right. But the, but that, and people have told me that. And it's like, well, you know what? You don't understand. You're missing the point. Yeah. 
The point is you're learning something that you can then slowly increase and scale. Because if you can't make a dollar, you can't make $2. If you can't make $2, you can't make $4. So it starts with being consistent and following the process and slowly doing what is right and building in a discipline to do the right thing. And when that is in place, then you can focus on the increase, which is very similar to what you were talking about with your four seasons. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, it's not about the hot tip, but the consistency over a long period of time and improving that process over that time, then you build momentum and your success grows as time goes on. So you have a great strategy for this as well. Can you talk to us about the feedback loop, your strategy on how you refine your process of trading over and over again to get to the point where you're at now? So a great way to do this is to continually review measurement, uh, analytics, statistics, go over your performance. So if you're going to take What I like to do is look at it in groups of trades. I look at like 30 trades and then I look at my results for those 30. And then I ask myself questions. Okay, what what happened? Did I follow the strategy? Right. So if you don't follow the strategy, you don't follow the plan. Well, then is it then do you have to throw the whole thing out because you really don't have (laughs) you don't have anything? The data is worthless. Right. So that's step one you could look at 30 trades and and make a ton of money or you could look at 30 trades and you lost money but if you didn't follow the actual set guidelines none of that data matters because you have to have something to follow so step 1 is evaluate if you're following the plan then you ask yourself okay i followed the plan what could i improve what what did i do well do more of what you did well and then do another trade another 30 trades, and then evaluate the process again. And a a last part of it is get somebody else involved. You talked about mentors earlier. I have always had a mentor in my life, and I always will. There's always people that I want to be able to be speaking into my life for so many reasons. Uh, It just helps in every way, but I want to be accountable. I want to be open. I want to be teachable. I want to be able to receive from other people. You know, I love that mentality. And, and that mentality is, is really not taught in our families, in our family structure, right? We tend to learn that later on in life that we need help. We need people to, you know, guide us in, in the right path. So with that, I want to talk about family a little bit here. So how to get the next generation involved into the markets and interested in finances. And the reason I'm choosing family is because regardless of how old you are, if you're new to finances, you're an infant. And I tell people all that time, when you go to a new industry, when you go into a new profession, you become an infant and you start from scratch. You're learning to walk. You'll stumble. You know, you have to have somebody else feed you, teach you what's right and what's wrong. You have to make mistakes. But as you mature, you get better. So I think that the best way to learn is to teach. So if you're able to teach your children in an appropriate manner, you'll know the things you need to look at. So so let's talk about age appropriate here. So you know, we all know that you don't teach kids about option trading and future contracts before teaching them about a savings account, right? <laughs> you don't teach a kid about compound interest is a waste of time if they barely know math. So can you explain some of the foundational things that you would explain to a child to help them transition into finances? And then we'll talk more about um, trading as an adult. This is a great question. And it's a big challenge for parents. And I think it's something that most parents don't think about too much, but it really should be taught because it isn't taught in schools, right? And so if it's not taught in schools, who's going to teach them? The parents. But if the parents don't know, then you're really in a bad situation. So I think one of the great principles is a very common biblical principle, which is if you're with a little you can be given more, right? And not faithful with a little, you're not going to get more. And so, so many people don't get that. And so with the kids, it's just, okay, you have a little bit. What are you going to do with this? Here's how you manage it. Okay, the very first thing you need to do is understand that this money is actually not yours. It belongs to God. Everything in the whole world belongs to God and everything in it. And it's, this is, you're just a manager and God's going to ask you to give an account. And I know that's a lot for a kid, but I, I break it down a little bit. Like 
this doesn't belong to you. You're a manager. So first thing you have to do is you have to give 10%. Well, how do you do give 10%? Let's figure it out. How do we calculate this? So that's that's the, where I start. And then just continue to focus on being faithful with that little bit. Don't expect more if you can't manage what you have. I, I think that's a great point that you're making as well, because you know we teach our listeners how to be good stewards of God's wealth, that go, God owns it all. So we don't get excited when the markets go up. We don't get depressed when they go down because it's all in God's hands. So if God would have willed, we would have had multi-millions of dollars. If he would have willed, we would have been millions of dollars in debt. It's all in his will. What we are supposed to do is to gain knowledge and experience through our trading and, and through our management and focus on him so we can make sure that we fulfill God's plan, not our own. And I do kind of want to add on to the non-financial skills that you know our listeners can actually engage their children in that are going to be beneficial when it comes to the markets, such as delaying gratification. A lot of kids get money and they just want to go spend it on candy. As adults, we think that's ridiculous, but as adults, we do the same thing. We see a commercial for a car, we see our neighbor with something, and then we think because we're adults and we have the ability, excuse me, to get it, we go get it. Also, distinguishing between wants and needs. Our ability to distinguish what is necessary for the household and what is a guilty pleasure that we may have. Managing their money on ledgers or in an account. These are all non-financial skills that you can teach your children to make sure that they have a better concept of money. I, I think Casey hit a point here. I think we're under this illusion that kids can't take certain information. Yet we send them to school for eight hours a day to learn about George Washington and American history and science and biology about bees and Greek mythology. You don't think that's overwhelming for you to have a 30 minute conversation about sales tax? You know, <laughs> I'll share this with you and, and my listeners too. My kids calculate tax. If we go to the store and something's two dollars, I'll show the receipt and says, "Listen, you don't owe me just two dollars. You owe me the sales tax too. So let's calculate what that what that is." Like Casey said, when you're calculating tithes, bring those opportunities. So let's move on to opportunities to teach. So where do you think are good opportunities to teach children? I know we're talking about children, but we're kind of talking about parents too, because the thing is, we talk about meaning. You know, you will never learn something if there's no meaning to it. And I think if you're teaching the next generation, I think you'll love it more. So what are some opportunities that parents can find to teach their kids about trading? Great opportunities. You mentioned the, the sales tax. A great opportunity is just to talk about when you go to the store, you know, hey, let's go and talk about where did this thing come from that we bought? Right. So trading is is buying goods and services. It's a trade of money for either a resource or for a service. Right. So when you're at the store, you're getting a good. But then you if you're you know, you have somebody mow your grass, you're getting a service. But talk a little bit about that. That is amazing to understand that most people go to the and we're talking adults here. And they're buying stuff off the shelves and they have no idea what it actually in to make bringing product into your hand. And so the 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 education of how did that service come to you and you know what your money is buying and just of exchanging money for goods. And that's the foundation of what trading is, and it's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Yeah, it's great. And I believe that too. You know, I, I think kids should have an allowance. I think we should find teachable moments, like you said, at the grocery store, while watching TV, while we're out and about, because each learning stage supports the next. If we don't teach about compound interest or savings, we can never talk about multiplication and division, right? You can you can earn your money, you can save your money, you can spend your money, you can invest your money, or you can share your money. There's five ways you can do deal with money. And I think a lot of individuals don't even understand how fungible you know, money is, they think that, well, this is my gift money, or this is my school money. It's like, no. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's whatever I want to do with money. It's, yeah. it's what, whatever yeah. you want to do with money. Yeah. And, you know, as a trader and people who are interested in trading, what I want all of our listeners to really understand is that each child is going to be unique when you're expressing how to raise them and how to teach them about trading and investing and finances, you're going to be unique as well. So you need to find individuals who share your common goal, because if 
like Casey pointed out, he knows traders that sit behind desk all, all day long, right? Um, when the markets are up and, you know, their life is market. But Casey has a lot of children. I don't know if I can say, say that on a podcast, but uh, he has a big family himself and he wants to spend time with his family. And I bet his kids love when he comes around. And we do not want to trade the foundation, which is our family, for trading. But we do want to trade so well that we spend more time with them. So, Casey, can you talk a little bit more about your balance? Um, I love the three hours a day. Um, how do you balance family and life with trading? The the biggest thing is my discipline with my schedule. Um, I, I try to color code my schedule so that I, and I look at it quite often so that I, I color code it based off of productivity time, uh, family time, free time, and uh, strategy time. So I just, I code it, I focus on it and I, 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 I mean, I have plans all the time too. <laughs> I have a journal in front of me. It's called my life plan. I keep it with me everywhere. I review it all the time. And it's basically how I want my life to matter in this world and the impact that I want to leave. And then it's got specific action steps of what I'm going to do for my family, what I'm going to do for my kids, what I'm going to do for my wife, uh, what I want to do for my community, you know, because you can make a plan, but if you don't hold yourself accountable to that plan, then it's going to fall away and you won't do it. And that's the other reason why I have mentors in my life. Because I'm like, okay, here's my plan. What do you think about this? Should should I do this? Should I do that? I want to implement this next thing, me with this next phase, you know, things like that. Good, good. Well, we need to take a break right here. Um, we'll hear a little bit more about Casey's trading strategy guide. Um, and his podcast. Um, he's also the host of How to Trade. So also be sure to listen to his podcast for more specific strategies. We're going to hear a little bit uh, from him in a few seconds. At AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, we know how difficult it can be to make financial decisions on your own. As a faith-based investment firm with nearly a decade of experience, we provide you the tools to be good stewards over the financial blessings God has ordained for you. Imagine the feeling of confidence you will have when you are preparing the next generation to carry on your financial legacy. We believe when you structure your finances from a biblical perspective, you become more confident and feel empowered to make those crucial financial decisions that will make God proud. The process is easy. First, you'll fellowship with one of our advisors and together we will learn more about each other and discuss how we can bring you peace of mind. Next, we'll complete a customized financial plan that is a reflection of you and your vision for the future. And once you've reviewed it, the last step is for you to live the faith-based life you've always dreamed of. Have you ever worried about making the wrong financial decisions? Are you afraid of running out of money after retirement? Well, let me ask you this. If you have the tools necessary to make confident financial decisions that were spiritually in line with the Word of God that could bring you some clarity, would you use them? If so, schedule your consultation now and allow AB Ridgeway Wealth Management to focus more on your finances so you can focus more on your family. By scheduling your consultation now, you'll have the tools needed to live out the retirement you have always prayed for. And we want to talk a little bit more about the podcast, Casey, because I think this is a unique opportunity for anybody who really does want to start trading that they can listen to you often and consistently, right? Because this is their introduction. This is a soft introduction to who you are, but I want them to go to your platform and learn more, more of these strategies, because I want them to be, I want you to be one of their first mentors. All right. Well, I really enjoy hosting the How to Trade It podcast because I try to get some of the best people that I possibly can to ask them the secrets of the markets. And the cool thing about it is it gives me an audience with people that maybe I wouldn't get an audience with normally, right? You get some people that are very successful, perhaps out of my league, above my level. And Normally, you wouldn't get to talk to those people, but when you're like, hey, I have a podcast, they're like, oh, sure, you, I'll talk to you. 
And so uh, it's been able to give me an opportunity to meet amazing, successful traders and then to improve my own skill set tremendously while sharing it with other people. And that's good. So what, what type of topics do you discuss on your podcast? Is it strictly technical? Is it more strategic? Do you go over pretty much your strategy? You know, what are some things that you discuss? I do uh, a mixture of guest interviews and personal training. So the personal training is where I share my insight, what I've learned, and maybe I'll use an anecdote or a story or something like that. And people seem to like those episodes. But then I have the other ones where I get an expert and it's, uh, there's nothing specific, right? I had uh, an expert on the futures market, which is trading like grain or corn or soybeans. It was very fascinating. It was absolutely, I loved it. Uh, and I sometimes will go and get a crypto expert or someone that's talking about options, uh, basically any kind of trading, but I hit them where they're special sweet spot is where their expertise is. So can you explain that aspect to it? Because a lot of people think that trading is just stocks and bonds. So can you go over some of the different markets that you can actually trade in other than just the S&P 500? Well, that's a, that's really fascinating because the stock market is the most well-known, but it's actually rather small compared to some of the other markets. Uh, the bond market is massive. And then there's the biggest market in the world is the currency market, which is where you're trading money and you'll trade the dollar versus the yen or the dollar versus the euro. Uh, that's the biggest market in the world. It's trillions, uh, trillions of dollars in market cap. Uh, there's the crypto market, there's the futures market, and then there's options trading. Uh, that's then there's the whole topic of robotic trading, algorithms, computers, programs, trading. So that's a whole nother strategy or area that that I have interviewed many people on. So our suggestion is never to introduce somebody into stocks, especially when they're they're new to investing. It's like starting somebody off on cocaine, right? So <laughs> the 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 idea here is what market. Is going to be the easiest market, or I guess the the uh, the market that has the less risk or has less risk to enter and to learn about. I think that that if well, that's that's a good question. So I would say that all markets have the same risk, and that is whatever you put into it, right? So whatever market you put your money into, you have the potential to money, and so. That's got to be the foundation. The first thing you need to learn, no matter what market it is, is how to manage your money and how to control risk. The next thing, I would say the next market that would be really, you said stocks is like cocaine. I kind of think of that as being the easiest one because stock is a simply ownership of a company and you find companies that you really like that have a strong cash flow and that look good on a technical side. Um, really basic. I mean, you still got to learn quite a few foundational things, but I, I think that's a really great way to get started. It is a great way to get started, but you got to understand a lot of our listeners here um, are great in their professions. They're doctors, they're lawyers, you know, surgeons, dentists, things of that nature, very intelligent individuals. But when it comes to finances, once again, they're infants. They barely know, you know, anything about the markets and they want to grow, but obviously you wouldn't say, well, here's an options contract and here's what a straddle does and here's some calls and here's some puts you're like well I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how much money should i save <laughs> you know for the next three months or you know hey i'm trying to save in trying to save up for my child's college fund um so let's let's move forward just a little bit here uh, building wealth right the the ability to gain traction on your finances so what are some ways have you used trading in order to build your wealth and be able to pass that to the next generation? You mentioned somewhere 
earlier uh, when you said something about a margin. I think margin, uh, that's a really great concept. And that to me is always spending less than what you're making. And so you build up those margins and then you take the excess and you roll that in to uh, something, right? And so with trading, you have margins in your trading account. You have a level that you're using to trade with. And then whatever comes over that, you will then analyze that and say, okay, I'm going to take this profit out and then roll it in to something else. It's the whole compounding strategy. And I know that you as a financial planner, that's probably your, your bread and butter. And it's the same thing with a trader. You, there's some traders that they take all their money that they make and then they spend it which is amazing because they have a great skill that makes money and yet they're not using it to build wealth. So you, there's a skill where you can take money out of the markets on a pretty regular basis and you have to take that money and then roll it into something else that makes money, whether it be uh, financial planning, whether it be uh, real estate investments or any other type of investment. Yeah, this goes back to your comment as far as in trading with a purpose. Um, that's why I really love what you said earlier, you know, you have to have a goal in mind when you're making a trade and your goal shouldn't be to spend it. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, you're going to spend it in some form or fashion, but you also want to have benchmarks for what that spending looks like. So you can kind of continue on and live during the, the lean times because it's not always going to be great. No matter how great your strategy is, no matter how great your market is, you know, whether you're in foreign exchange um, or whether you're in the stock market, there's going to be some ups and downs. That's just what, um, a business cycle looks like, and it comes with the territory. So let's move on to the type of individuals there are out there. So there's about five types I want to talk about real briefly. We won't go into too much detail. If they want more detail, they can go to our website. We have blogs on these type of um, personalities, but satisfied savers. So we identify these as people who built their wealth through hard work and prudent living and satisfied with their life and want to know how to pass it on. How many traders fall into this category? Satisfy savers, people who are just like, you know what? I'm, I'm trading, I'm making money, and I'm happy with it. I just want to pass it on. How many traders fall into that? You know, that's a really interesting category. And I I'm going to have to go to your blog and get the rest of the five categories because that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I would say that that's, that's a smaller percentage uh, is the satisfied group. I don't know exactly like the number, but I would say it's a smaller smaller group. Most of the traders I know, they tend to be pretty aggressive and they're trying to grow super fast. And that's one of the reasons why when you said the whole getting into the stock market, it's like starting them out with cocaine. The huh. traders are the aggressive ones, which is my personality. I'm kind of like, I would call it like a pioneering type person. I want to be the the front of the pack. I want to do crazy things. I want to just, I'm going to call myself an entrepreneurial personality. Uh, and so that's been a good and a bad, right? It's been good because I'm willing to try new stuff and I can take a few hits along the way. Uh, it's been bad is because I've crashed and burned so many times, which is why I love that previously you said, uh, prepare for the winter. Yes. For me, I never, I used to, didn't even realize there was the winter until I went through several of them. It's like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be a little smarter here. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're talking about the, I'm glad you're talking about it authentically because a lot of people want to hear the good, but they don't want to hear about the downside risk. And not that the risk should scare you away, but you should know as listeners that they're there and Casey's here. He's happy. He's smiling. If you can see him on video, he's okay. He's made it through. You know, the, the funny thing is whenever you're down and out, you should always say, I have made it through 100% of all my bad days. And that should give you the motivation to keep going. Um, and Casey is what we kind of consider a deal master here, right? He's first generation kind of new money. You know, he's wealthy. He's a risk taker, really tech savvy, you know, focused on wealth of the family. But he's also grounded, very mature, focused on using money to gain skills and doesn't want the next generation to feel kind of like entitled to his wealth. So he kind of falls into that category for, for many of you. Um, let's let's briefly touch on a few other ones. We have the secret succeeders. 
you know, maybe they received a windfall or unexpected success. Like um, they picked a stock or they are part of Google's IPO or Facebook IPO. They made a fortune. So they what may lottery need, ticket. <laughs> right. So they may need some more help embracing their new wealth and ways to management or manage it. So for that trader who comes in to a windfall, maybe they got an inheritance and they're like, hey, I, I don't want to sit this in a savings account. What would be some of the tips that they can use? Or some attitudes they can use to approach the markets so they don't blow their their wealth. Well, I think a great strategy for someone like that would be a really conservative options strategy. And options can seem a little bit complicated, but it's actually not. One of the key strategies I do is I'll buy a stock that I absolutely think is going to do really well. That's a safe, conservative stock that has good cash flow. And I'll purchase that and then I will sell calls against that. And that's called a covered call strategy. And you can do that on a monthly basis. You can do it on a weekly basis, but to get started, it's really simple on a monthly. Uh, and you sell monthly calls. So what that means is you sell an option and you receive cash for that, that option. And you have to own the stock first. So you own 100 shares, we'll say like McDonald's, right? You buy 100 shares of McDonald's. Then you spend whatever it costs on those shares. That's, I don't know what that would be, like 20, 25,000 or 250,000 maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, and you collect a premium on that. So every month you sell that option and you get paid a percent just for holding that stock every month. Right. So, so those are those are different calls and puts and things that need for options. So, um, option trading is another form. So, there, there's straddle, like you said. There's there's covered calls. There, there's puts. Um, the, the whole GameStop uh, fiasco um, was because of leverage that some people had in their portfolios for that stock. They thought it was going to go down, and and obviously they, I think they manipulated that the was, market. <laughs> that was a lot of caused by short selling too. Yeah, because big hedges were short. And then they couldn't cover their, yeah. they couldn't cover their shorts because a can. short, and I don't want to get too overwhelmed, but a short has unlimited risk. Unlimited. It, it can keep going up. Going up. And that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. You know, that's what the group was trying to do. Keep pushing it up and up. It was and trying up. to, <laughs> they were trying to put those guys out of business. Yeah. They, and they, they did a pretty good job of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's, let's talk about the passing. So we, we talked about the investing portion. We talked about managing your season. Um, let's talk about that transfer aspect of it because me and you were both business owners. We both have children, but our children may or may not be uh, engaged with our passion of finances, right? They may be a little bit disengaged. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that type of uh, family structure. Are you prepared or what steps have you put in place to prepare just in case your kids don't want to go into finance? Maybe they want to be a firefighter. Maybe they want to be a doctor. Um, have you thought about that in your own personal life? So that's somewhere I have not actually experienced that yet. I'm getting closer, but I, I have thought about it. And one of the things that I want to make sure is that wealth can be it can be a very bad thing, right? It can be a very bad thing. It it can destroy you. It can make you lazy. It's like uh, the whole welfare system. You know, it's okay to help somebody, but if you're just going to give them something and then their work ethic decays mm -hmm. and they don't know how to work and they don't know how to plan and they don't know how to save, it's just like in the Bible when it talks about the lazy man, everything will decay, right? And that's one of the problems with the uh, welfare system is people are literally decaying because they don't know how to work. And so you don't want to contribute to that, right? You don't want to be the one that causes, and it happens actually all the time. Wealthy people are their own downfall for their children because they don't have a plan for this. And so I am planning for it. And one of the things is it's, it's relationship-based. You've got to have a relationship and that takes time. Relationships take time and relationships are messy. And it can be really difficult, especially, you know, depending on the age of where your kids are and their wisdom, they might think that they are, they don't want to learn from you. 
they might like, well, dad, you just say this because you're a rich trader, you know, and they don't want to hear from me. Well, you have to evaluate that, right? And uh, you have to know where they're at and try to have a relationship with them. And so understanding that everyone has different giftings as well. Try really hard to connect relationally and understand where your child's gift set is. Do not try to don't try to put a round peg into a square hole, right? Your don't try to throw them all. They're not all Junior Casey Stubbs, right? They're their own kids. They're their own person. They might be creative. They might be sensitive. They might be uh, builders. Who knows what it is? But you try to really find that and then help them guide to it and teach them about finances along the way. Yeah, I agree. I think the point that you made, even about the welfare system, translates over in finances pretty well. Because when you're talking about high net worth individuals, one of their biggest fears is that usually their first generation, as we said before, first generational wealth, they only have this perceived idea of what wealth looks like. So that's what they're adapted to. They're like, well, um, I own a business, you know, I manage my money, but how do I pass that down to my children? Like, what does that look like? Do I need to create trust? Do I need to create five to nine plans, things of that nature? But with that comes the values of growing up humble, you know, growing up, maybe, you know, lower class or, or middle class, and then finally coming into wealth or first generation, what are some of the values you want to pass on? And I feel the same way about the welfare system is I am a firm supporter in the system itself, but not in the lack of education that comes with it and accountability that comes with it. So it's almost like giving a child a bunch of money. They're going to go buy chocolate with it. And we wonder why they're not growing up strong and healthy is because we have not given them the knowledge of, hey, when you receive this money, we need this to allocate to this fund. We need to make sure that we save for your child. We need to find out that you get a job. We need to make sure that we build your resources and your education so you can get a workable income so we can get you out of the system because there's more people who need those resources there because people fall on hard times. Like you said, sometimes people have a cold winter. And if you go bankrupt from trading and you have a cold winter and you have to go on welfare for three or six months, so be it. But if you're struggling to get assistance because somebody's been on welfare for 10 years because they just don't want to work, that hurts the people who are really there. Uh, so, you know, my my perspective is values and education is very important whenever that you're giving resources because that person needs the knowledge to manage those resources. So, for example, you have a great trading strategy, but you can have the perfect strategy. But if someone doesn't have the money to put into the market, that strategy is not going to pay off. It's like, oh, here's Casey. Invest this five dollars for me. You're like, OK, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we can maybe buy some penny stocks, you know, but that's even more high risk. And, you know, you're not going to buy any blue chips with five dollars. Right. So we need resources. So let's let's talk this last point here as we kind of wrap up at the end of our conversation. We we went over a lot of great things, right? So we talked about what type of investor you are. We're talking about establishing a great strategy, you know, emotionally, having a purpose. We've talked about when you're trading, how to approach trading and what markets to get into. And I just kind of want to wrap up with a final thought from Casey about where does he see the future of trading and how can someone learn more about you and what you do? Where do I see the future of trading? Well, the markets are really a great place. I think, uh, emotions move the markets. They're huge. It's human emotion. And there's so many, uh, so many massive hedge funds and massive computer programs that are trading. And so I think that takes a little bit of the emotion out of it when you've got all of these algorithmic strategies happening. Um, but I, I don't really see any, at, at this time, I don't really see anything that's going to be changing so much. Uh, there's been some pretty interesting adjustments over the last few years that have changed the markets, like example, Robinhood. You know, Robinhood, I really appreciated the fact that they were just such a game changer because they came in and they said, okay, here it is. It's on your phone and it's an app, 
right? And then all of the young people who don't know anything about trading, it, it caused a little bit of a problem because they don't have the education, but it also opened a door for so many people that never had an opportunity to trade before or access to the markets. And then the other thing that they did that was a game changer was they said no commissions, right? So everything was so expensive. All of the trading had commissions. And then Robinhood came in and said no commissions. It made it affordable for everybody. You didn't have to have a lot of money to get started. Um, and so things like that have really changed the industry. I can't predict what's happening for the future, but I would say that uh, I think that trading's been around from the beginning, and I think it will always be. People need things to live, and so it's a great place to learn and get a foundational education. And you just start with the beginning, start with the basics, take it slow, and come up with a long-term plan. Do not look at getting rich quick. Yeah, I think that's perfect. The The Robin Hood situation, I, I agree with you on the positives. As we said, there's always some downside risk. I think the the focus was on the gamification of investing, which is a very serious topic. Even though we talk about it leisurely uh, between us, we are professionals. We, we spend hours and hours on this stuff daily. But you have to get the education. You know, the bells and whistles and the balloons that go off when you make a trade or make money that can lead you down a rabbit hole, uh, right? Where we're not focused on the fundamentals um, of investing. We're focused more on trying to achieve a um, a ranking, you know, like they do on Fortnite or something like that, right? And, and that's not where we really want to go. But as Casey said, it's, it's opening these doors for people who haven't had access to the market traditionally, um, and they have an opportunity to build some wealth. So I agree with Casey on that point, as well, as far as Robin Hood is concerned. Well, that is it from us. We probably can speak to Casey all day, um, but can you send us off by letting everyone know where they can find you, where they can engage with you? You're, you have a huge presence on YouTube and you, you've been on many podcasts. So if they want to hear some more, they can go there. But can you tell us where they can find you? Sure. You can go to my website, which is tradingstrategyguides.com. And that also has my podcast on that site. And we have a ton of education whatever kind of trading education you would want from stocks to options to crypto, it's all there on the website. Well, I hope that you've been blessed. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, to comment, and to share. Also, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, go to www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash podcast and join our family. And as a thank you, we will have a free gift for you. We are looking for some more show ideas, so be sure to send us an email at info at abrwealthmanagement.com and let us know what you want to hear about. If you need help building your financial plan or want a Christian financial advisor to help you be a better steward of God's wealth, information to speak with us will be given right after the show. Well, I'm A.B. Ridgeway, Mr. Christian Finance himself, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. <laughs>